hello and welcome to Please Don't Kick Me Out, a podcast about imposter syndrome. My name is Bianca Woolwick and I'm the host. I interview my friends and people that inspire me to figure out if they have the key to life and they feel successful or feel like they don't fit in like I do. Anyway, thank you for listening and I hope you enjoy the episode. My happiness plug for the week is for Deep Roots Winery in Denver. I used to be the marketing manager for Deep Roots Winery, and um, they are a small batch winery in the heart of downtown. Um, Due to COVID, they are doing uh, to-go orders, local delivery, state shipping, and 30% off using hashtag WeGotThisDenver. Their wines are great. Cannot suggest the Barbera enough. And they're a woman-owned Uh, and veteran-owned business, and the people that own it are just incredible. So I'm throwing them a bone. I want to help them out. Please order wine from them and help out shop locally small where you can. And it doesn't even matter if you're not in Denver because they can ship nationwide. So Deep Roots Winery Denver, I'm going to pop all that information in the description. Please enjoy the podcast. My guest today is Brandy, a content producer based in Denver, Colorado. So let's just hop into it. Hey, how's it going? Good. How are you? I'm doing all right. How are you hanging in there amidst this craziness? Um, drinking a lot of beer mm-hmm. and watching a lot of movies. That sounds pretty delightful. I feel like I've just been on way too many Zoom meetings and I, I'm i just like want one night where I like watch a movie. But anyway, for my guests listening, um, <laughs> thank you so much for all of your support. This is Please Don't Kick Me Out, a podcast that goes over imposter syndrome. And today you're hearing the lovely voice of a content creator in Denver named Brandy. <laughs> so let's just jump into it. Um, do you want to kind of give your elevator pitch, like your 30,000 foot who you are, what you do, et cetera? Sure. Um, I am somebody who genuinely loves to connect with others. And through that connection, I love collaborating um, and just executing a vision for somebody. I started off as a makeup artist. I was an educator for Sephora. I freelanced for Chanel. Um, I used to do a lot of makeup on shoots and that eventually led to me wanting to just photograph clients myself. Um, but I didn't like how photographers were capturing that. So I decided just to, you know, take it on myself. And that led to photography jobs. And then as I got more into photography, I fell out of love with makeup artistry. Um, And then that eventually went to weddings and then branding and then agency work. And then I started to develop more interest in video, which I still find more challenging. Um, But yeah, so... Video and photography are my main thing. Yeah, that's really cool. I think it's really cool how you kind of came to what your true passion is, because I know that you're still pretty interested in makeup. I mean, as far as makeup goes, you're probably, aside from my drag queen friends, the one that actually can do their (laughs) makeup flawlessly and I don't even notice you're wearing makeup. Um, Just it looks really good all the time. But I think that's really cool how that kind of came to give you your creative eye and your creative lens. And and you basically fulfilled a need for something that you couldn't find. They weren't executing your vision correctly, which I find is very true to a lot of artists um, kind of coming into their own. So I think that's really rad. Um, so I guess I'll just kind of get into how we met. So the funny thing is, is that we haven't met. Um, so <laughs> Brandy and I um, we're both in Denver. I was in Denver for a family emergency and I actually, I think I checked my stuff like at the airport on my way out, but you had followed me on Instagram. So we were on this app called Bumble BFF, which is the friendship version of the dating app where, you know, the, the woman initiates on the dating app portion and they they tried to do a different thing with like networking and then also, uh, BFF. So best friends or whatever. So I had downloaded it and I just, you know, and my parents in my childhood bed just like couldn't sleep. So I would just swipe because that's 
you know, what you do. I've, I've done it a lot on quarantine, but I haven't really wanted to talk to anyone. And I've met people in the past. So I've met people in Denver. I've met people and they're really great. And I've expanded my circle in a lot of really cool ways. And I've met people out here in San Diego, but um, I don't find it weird. Uh, I think like some people are still either they were in a long-term relationship and they didn't really like ever have to do the apps or they don't really like, they, they, you know, it's a little different based on age. But for me, like meeting people on the internet, like doesn't scare me because I've, I've kind of, the scary portions of that was a long time ago. Um, and since then you and I have kind of collaborated, I've thrown you work. I've, you know, helped get your name out there. I've tried to get you, you know, get your foot in the door from my connections, which are mostly dry at this point, but um, yeah, so, <laughs> so that's kind of how we met. Um, and you're still in Denver. So yeah, still in Denver, moved here friendless. Um, and I agree. I don't feel weird about meeting people from the internet. I mean, it's 2020, but it is weird swiping for friends because mm -hmm. you swipe based on attraction. So it's kind of, kind of, uh, an odd thing to do, but I definitely think like too, like the girls that I'm seeing and this is no shade on them right now, but, um, they're like, I'm just so bored in quarantine. Like let's play Scrabble. It's like, I don't, like you don't have any friends. Like that sucks. Like that really sucks. But also like, I don't want to spend the time like getting to know someone. And then like we come out the other side of quarantine and I like, we have nothing in common. And I just played Scrabble with you for three weeks. Like, <laughs> you know, I, we have to have more stuff to go off of. So like the couple of the girls that I'm, I'm talking to right now that I haven't met yet that I will, um, we have varying things in common, uh, just like you and I do. And that's kind of where I need, I need, I find that as an adult, we compartmentalize our friendships in a way. Like For sure. we have a friend, like I have a friend that I go to exclusively to Disneyland with. I have a friend that like, if I want to like go to the bars near her house, like she's the person I hit up. I have a brunch friend. I have my gay friends. Like, so I have like my different friends for like the different kinds of things that I'm used to, but what I don't have right now, and it's been incredibly difficult, especially because my best friend moved away, um, back to Portland. Uh, I found it very like hard to meet someone that like is easy. Like, I don't know, like kind of a catch all friend that I like can text about whatever. So I, I'm trying to kind of deepen the friendships I have currently um, and, and make sure that I'm like exploring all those options. But at the same time, it's really hard to make friends as an adult. It is for sure. Um, especially, I don't know, especially in Colorado, I feel like there's just like this disconnect between people because everyone's a transplant. And like, mm -hmm. I thought moving here, everyone would be like, I want friends, but that's not necessarily the case. And most of the women here love to hike, which is cool, but I'm not an avid hiker mm -mm. or they just like want to watch Bravo and drink wine. And I, that sounds so fucking boring to me. <laughs> yeah, I am. Um, I'm on the same kind of boat. It's like most of the girls want to do yoga on the beach and I'm like, okay, but like, I can't even do like a regular pose. Like how am I going to do like the sand? <laughs> and I don't even own a yoga mat because my husband put it under the Peloton and then he threw it away. So I don't even have a yoga mat anymore. So, so I'm like, where do I even begin? And, and it's interesting too, because like, it's, it's, it's weird too, to see kind of like women and, and cause I'm in my thirties, you're in your thirties. Um, it's interesting to see women in their thirties kind of realizing that they isolated themselves in a relationship and suddenly there's no way to make friends anymore. So, um, and being married for me, it's like a little harder for me to like prior, like I, like when Scott's underway or he's gone. I have all the time in the world, but when, it, when he's back, like I hang out with him cause he's going to deploy eventually. So it's just, it's, right. weird. it's like weird balancing and all of that stuff, but yeah, I'm thankful that, oh, sorry. Oh, you're What'd good. You say? I said, regardless, we've got each other. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I'm super thankful that even though I was in a long-term relationship, I always needed to have like my friendship time, curl time. Like that was always a priority for me because right. I think post breakup, I would have definitely lost my shit. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and it's tough too, when you go through a breakup, like, uh, one of like, you know, your magnitude and the, and the amount of years that you were with that person, it's tough because suddenly you're in a brand new routine. And like, for you, you're completely starting over. You're, you're flipping the page to a new chapter, which is exciting. And you, you know, there's a level of like feeling like 2020 was going to be your year. And it <laughs> seems like 2020 is no one's year. Um, yeah. and 
I've never been more bored in my life. <laughs> Definitely the same. Yeah. I've been spending way too much time on dating apps and on Zoom and I did a couple of virtual dates and it was just kind of like, ugh. Yeah, no. I'm so glad I had to skip that. But also, I mean, virtual dates, so you can just like exit the room and then block them and you don't ever see to talk to them again. Yeah. And it's like nobody looks good on FaceTime or on the computer, just not flattering. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So when I came to you with this podcast idea, it was like right when quarantine had started. I'd kind Mm -hmm. of like, I'd been kicking it around the idea of doing a podcast and I kind of like teased it to you and you were like, yes, yes, I want to be a guest no matter what it is. But then when I told you, <laughs> okay, this is the one, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to talk about imposter syndrome. And cause you and I are creative people. I'm more analytical. I'm more right brained. I would say, um, like I'm usually the person that looks like running the strategy and then I, I usually work really well with creatives where I can like see the, see it through their lens of like where it's going to be and what it's going to be. And I kind of let them do their thing. So, um, but I, but I think of myself very creatively. I, I'm a creative writer. I'm a copywriter. I'm a content writer. So I am very, I'm creative in a different way. Like I'm, I'm, I have a camera and I'm okay at it. Like, but I just, for me, I'm more, um, of like a words person than a uh, visual person. Um, but right. I do, I knew what I, I do know what I like. So I guess kind of on that note, in that vein, like, you know, do you feel like one, you have it all figured out or, you know, and then two, are, do you suffer from what I suffer from and what many artists do, which is this kind of feeling of imposter syndrome? Uh, absolutely not. And I think if anyone thinks that they have it all figured out, I think they have a very like skewed perception of themselves and reality. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, you know, it wouldn't be life if we did have it all figured out. You know, I'm a, I'm a pretty spiritual person. And I feel like the more I focus on that pathway, the more the right people and circumstances enter my life. And that is the only indicator for me, at least, that I'm figuring it out. But right. I'm not there. I think that's cool that you say that because I've been recently trying to be more open, like, to the universe and the, the changes and the, what's, what's out there for me. And I think, like when I got laid off recently and all of that kind of happened and I started doing this podcast and I was like, at first I was pretty afraid of starting it cause I didn't want people to think negatively of me. And then I realized I'm like, okay, well I'm already like, I'm married. I'm a homeowner. I'm, you know, no matter what I have the support and backing of my husband and like his word should be God to me. And it, and it is, but there was a level of having to let go and kind of, jump off the side of the building, so to speak, and throw myself into this creative venture. And it's something I've never had to do before. Like I've always had like one foot in, you know? And, Mm -hmm. and so I'm kind of like curious where this will go, but then also, um, nervous because there's always the anxiety monster in the back of my head as far as like, you know, success and what that looks like. And, and is this podcast going to do anything? And then what am I doing? And then where am I going to work? So I'm kind of suffering from kind of feeling like I don't have it figured all out right now as well. And I feel like it's compounded by quarantine. For sure. But I also think quarantine, you know, a lot of people bitch about it, but at the same time, I feel like it's such a blessing because you get time to be creative and to work on things that you otherwise probably would just keep putting off on the back burner. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I, it's, it's, it's interesting to kind of see the creative, the creative stuff people are coming out with, people are doing, how they're helping each other. Like, I think if anything, it's a positive, but I, the, the people that I don't get along with, I won't get along with someone that's going to sit there and bitch about how bad quarantine is. It's like, okay, like it's bad for everyone. Like, <laughs> Like it sucks for every single person in a different way and we're all grieving and all you can do is make the most out of it. And so I think like moving forward for me, what that says is like, I can't be friends with people. I can't work for employers that aren't sensitive to it. I can't, I can't be friends with people that, you know, would complain about it. Like it's really going to change the way we're dating. It's going to change the way we're meeting people. It's going to change the way we are, you know, work, we work as a, as like a nation too. It's, It's crazy. For sure. Um, you know, and like going back to people complaining, I think I posted something about this, but my like biggest irritation, you know, it's just like the people who are complaining that like, I have to work from home. It's like, you have a fucking job. Like right. so many people got laid off. Like you, I had a job offer retracted and it's just, 
it's, it's mind blowing and it's just such like a first world problem mentality. Exactly. And it's like, it's not fun. Like it's implying for unemployment is not fun. No, it's not fun. It's not like you don't get a crap load of money. You're just getting like, you're getting a supplement right now because right now they're trying to bail out the nation. And, um, it's not fun to have to like ask for that. It's not fun to have to do that. And like, I guess like it's kind of more telling of people that don't like their jobs because if I had, if I'd still had my job, I would have happily worked from home. Happily. Right. I think we all would have, right? Like, I mean, if that's what, like, why not? Like, at least I'm still employed. So I agree. That's like a big pet peeve of mine as well. And um, I don't want it to sound like, you know, we're negative people or anything like that, but I guess like read the room, you know, people (laughs) and remember that like, you're probably a lot more fortunate than other people in a lot of ways and walk a mile in their shoes. And if you don't like working from home and you're complaining about it, maybe you should quit your job. Definitely. I, I agree. So People just to, need to be like fortunate. Right. So to go back to like imposter syndrome um, and kind of like that feeling of like fitting in, um, have you like felt like in your life that you fit in? Um, I don't think anyone really ever has, but I've never felt like I fit in, but at the same time, like I have, which is hard to explain. Um, I've always had so many different friend groups, like how you talked about compartmentalizing your friends. And so for me, I feel like there are aspects of me that I share with certain people. And so I fit in with different people, but not entirely with everybody, if that makes sense. Um, Mm -hmm. And so like the only few times that really stand out to me in my mind of like wanting to fit in was probably when I was like 12 years old, I had a crush on this boy and he kept calling me a white chink because my mom is mostly Japanese. Um, and she was the only ethnic person in our town. It was all white people. Um, so after like two weeks of being called a white chink, I remember going to the drugstore with my friend. We bought sun in, if you remember that, to like make your oh, hair blonde. My hair. Yeah, because my hair is really dark naturally. And uh, I remember I got sun in, I put it in my hair. And my mom saw it. She's a hairstylist. And she was like, did you do something to your hair? And ever since then, I've had blonde hair. But like to this day... I feel weird if I don't have blonde hair, but as a teenager and like living in a predominantly white suburb, Mm -hmm. I like never wanted to be made fun of for not being white again. And that was really, and like, you know what, I don't, I haven't experienced racism on a level that a lot of people have, but you know, when you're 12 years old, it's still hurtful and it's shitty. Yeah, when you're and you, when you're in middle school, especially okay. So if it like makes you, when I was twelve, I had a boy tell me that I was ugly. So he, my sister was, um, she was on a sports team or something that was at the high school, and he'd asked me, he'd like, oh, I heard that your sister's on the sports team, and I said, yeah, she is, and he's like, well, what does she look like? I'll like look for her at the next football game or whatever. And, uh, you know, we're in seventh grade and I, and I, I teed this up to the bat and you're about to hear exactly how I did this. I mean, it, it, it traumatized me. This is how stupid what I said was, I said, oh, well, she's pretty, she's prettier than me. And he was like, oh, cause he's, you know, a shitty 12 year old boy. And he was like, you're not even pretty. So I'd love to see what she looks like. And I wow. was just like, it, um, it is one of those comments that has stuck with me like ever since. Mm. And I mean, I probably like, I probably do need like quite a bit of therapy. Like, I mean, I, I think therapy is healthy for people. Um, but I, after that, just always felt like the girl that you would talk to like at the bar after a couple of drinks and like never the first person that was approached. Like I've never felt pretty after that. Like, I know it sounds really stupid, but it's like that, like the things that happen to you, like that kind of trauma that happens to you. And it's not even trauma necessarily. It was just like, he compounded my insecurities and then I just kind of like leaned into it. For so sure. I think like, you know, we do these things people say these things when you're in middle school and they just, they're, they're hurtful. They're hurtful. And you did, they stick with you. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, like to this day, like most people don't look at me and and they can't tell I'm mixed with anything. They just assume like, oh, you're just blonde haired, white chick, whatever. But, you know, people will make certain comments and not realize that Mm -hmm. I'm of mixed ethnicities. And, and then when I tell them their reaction on their face, it's kind of telling. And 
I don't know. It's just, it's, it, it's whatever, but I agree. Those things do stick with you and like insecurities like that at a young age, like they do not go away. It takes a lot, a lot of work. Right. And then like, have, have you kind of carried that into like your adulthood? Like kind of that feeling of not fitting in or, or imposter syndrome? Um, not, not with like my physical appearance, not like that because Mm -hmm. that I've let go, you know, whatever. He was just a little prick, you know, Mm -hmm. um, but as an adult, um, it's always been more career related. I think, you know, I've always been an artistic and creative person, but I never saw myself that way. Um, Mm -hmm. everybody in my family, they're like these amazing artists. They can just like whip up a lifelike portrait of somebody in no time at all. And I've always been talented, you know, like I used to sing and draw and everything like that, but I always felt that my talents were like the watered down version of everybody else that I compared myself to. And my parents were just, they were young. They were so wrapped up in their whole thing. I never felt like they were super supportive of me, but then it wasn't until like I was an adult and even like my later teen years that other people were always like, oh my gosh, you're so talented or this or that. And I just, I couldn't believe it. You know what I mean? I just Mm -hmm. always thought like, whatever, you're just being nice. Um, So that's been something that I feel like I've always carried with me, like feeling like I have many talents, but that they're not anything spectacular. I like to coin it as, I I say this a lot, I'm jack of all trades, master of few. Uh, (laughs) I feel that on a very core level, like there's nothing I can't do. I just, where my strengths lie tend to be kind of different things, but you kind of, because you already have that kind of artistry and that, and that you you took your passion for makeup you know, and, and being a makeup artist and kind of move that into photography. And then I was reading your notes and you'd said that you kind of, what really made you kind of fall out of love with being a photographer was wedding photography. Do you want to like? Oh, for sure. Um, yeah. I mean, well, wedding photography, you know, it is a sector of photography where there will always be a need for it. Um, and you know, weddings pay probably the most out of, out of anything. And so eventually I got to doing really high end weddings and I was just making really good money. You would know a year in advance what you were making. So it had a stability with it. And towards the end, like I just, I wasn't feeling it anymore. You know, like I would book a year out. So when I decided to quit, I knew I had like an entire year of dread and I couldn't break those contracts legally And it was really hard because I had to fake it and pretend to be passionate towards something that just made me feel like this empty shell. Um, But once I did my final wedding, I was very relieved. Um, And it was really good money. It was probably the best money I've ever made, to be honest, but I don't see myself ever going back to that. Well, it's, it's the biggest, I would say weddings are the hardest thing to shoot. They're the most lucrative, but they're the hardest thing to shoot because you're trying to capture their day in the way they see it in their head. For sure. And like once Pinterest became a thing, like that kind of, that added a whole layer of pressure because people would send me these candid photos of a dad crying and be like, I want this photo. It's like, yeah, it's like, I can't replicate that emotion. Like it's either there or it's not. Yeah. I, um, I, Scott didn't cry when he saw me and I kind of got mad. (laughs) which is like so stupid you know so stupid but to 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 your point I have a my my best friend Marcy um shout out to Marcy I know you're listening to this uh she uh she is was doing photography like kind of after college and stuff she's pretty creative she's super like artistic kind of like you she's like she you know like she has one really main passion right now which is like quilting and crafting and then she's also really great at photography but I had to like give her a pep talk because she, she basically was like, I don't feel like I'm any good. Like I'm not executing your vision. And she ended up taking the photo that I envisioned the entire time, which was, it wouldn't have mattered what else she captured because she got that one photo. And uh, I mean, it ended up being really, really incredible. It's like we were in front of the marquee on Fremont street and I have my foot popped and he's wearing his uniform and it's just like a really great photo. Like, You've probably seen it if you've been on my Instagram and I can always post it or share it with you. But so, and it's, it is on a canvas in my bedroom now, but I remember like her just kind of like, she was like, she had a couple of weddings after mine that she had to shoot. And she was like, I can't do this anymore. I have to close shop. I, the, the stress, the, the feeling of not getting it right. The feeling of 
imposter syndrome. Like I can't do this anymore. And I said, I think then that's when you know, like it's no longer photography that you want to be doing. Right. And also like, I think a big part of it for me was that I was shooting these weddings and I wasn't feeling fulfilled in my own relationship. Mm -hmm. And I was like looking at these couples and knowing that like, I was never going to get to that point with the person that I was with. (sighs) And it just, yeah. And it made it really hard for me to sit through, you know, 10 plus hours of that all the time and just feeling like I'm not going to have that. You know what I mean? And that's when my love for it kind of died. And, and I think it takes a special type of person to love weddings and love, love that much that they want to be immersed in it 24 seven, but that's not me at all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, it's, it's, it's kind of interesting because I'm kind of reading ahead in your, in your, uh, in your notes. And, um, it looks like kind of after that you decided to take a shift towards more of the things that I know you for, which is like your branded content. Um, how did you kind of come to that? I think, um, I, just like, I knew I was done with weddings. Mm -hmm. I knew that like families, kids, babies, like that was not my thing. Like I dreaded taking those photos. (laughs) No offense to anybody that's listening that I've ever taken a photo for. Um, but that's just not, it just doesn't do it for me. Mm -hmm. Um, but I've always been really passionate about like brands and marketing and commercial work. And like, I knew that like, that was something that sparked interest in me. And so when I quit, I was like, okay, this is what I'm going to do. But I had no clue how I was going to do it or what I needed to do to get there. But I knew that I had to scratch my wedding portfolio. I knew that I had to rebuild and rebrand. Um, and I had no idea what I was doing, but like, I eventually got to the point where I was getting into these meetings with brands and I was just basically talking out of my ass because I wanted them to hire me. And I was really, really nervous. And it got to a point where I had received a message for for this big commercial campaign for a beer company. And it wasn't just going to be a local commercial. It was going to be national. And I like built it up so much in my head. I was so excited. And when I sat down for that meeting, I, they were asking me like all of these like budget questions and questions that like I hadn't even thought of, like that required like an, an entire crew. Like I've worked with crews before, but they were small. And I just, completely talked out of my ass. And, and I really regret it because I feel like I was trying so hard to present myself as somebody that like, I thought that they wanted me to be. And I think that they felt that. And Mm so, you know, I attribute that to that specific fail. And I think that was like one huge lesson is like, you know, people say fake it till you make it, but like, Mm -hmm. don't fake it that hard. (laughs) Or you won't get any work. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, for me, like I've always felt for eight, like in ad agencies in particular for me. So yes, I've worked in marketing. Yes, I've worked in advertising. Um, I did not fit in an advertising agency. I am not advertising material. Um, and marketing agencies, I, I did okay. But but I, I found like this feeling of like now whenever I interview for an agency, I don't know if it's like I have a chip on my shoulder or I just don't think I'm cool enough to like be there anymore. But I just like, it's, I, I, I almost like dread it because like they're, they're, trying to do a cultural fit and then mm-hmm. and you kind of have to like so then you're like well, what are they looking for like instead of just being your fucking self like so I I totally 100% get that and like I'm I wonder too like if I had been myself during these meetings or if I hadn't lied about the fact that I was a military spouse or if I hadn't you know kept that or or I played that card or I did this or I did that like well, where would that have gone where where, do, where would I be in my career and the truth is is I really don't know you know I have no idea right And like ad agencies, marketing agencies, there is definitely like a pretentiousness. It's like, yeah, they want you to be yourself, but at the same time, like, do they, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's, it's just, I don't know. It, it like has never aligned with me whenever I've had an interview with companies like that. And not that they're not great, but I just feel like, I don't know. It's not about like what you create. It's about like, what they think of you as a person. Oh, for sure. For sure. And then like, you know, I'm sure they can see when they meet me, I'm a hard worker, but I am a work-life balance person. And if you're expecting me to, in my thirties, give you, you know, crazy deadlines and this and that, like I will get the job done, but you cannot have my weekends. You cannot have my time away from my husband. You cannot have my work-life balance. Like that's, 
it's, it's got to be a clear line in the sand. And that's just something I've noticed over the last year is that I've really thrived working for, some, for a place that has that kind of clear distinction. Like after five, it doesn't matter. So I, I kind of want to, I want to be in more industries that kind of feel that way where it's not that it's high pressure, but just that I'm working for a company that understands that that work-life balance is, is truly important. For sure. And a lot of companies use the, the term work-life balance, but then I wonder like, mm -hmm. do you genuinely mean that? <laughs> well, when they say unlimited PTO, I mean, that says everything that you need to know. That, that means that they do not trust you to take a vacation. They yeah. will call you and then they're going to, and then like you, you also, then that means they also don't have to pay you out for the vacation that you earned because you never earned vacation. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so I think you, you interested, you uh, also had some like pretty cool perspective about um, imposter syndrome in terms of like Instagram and dating apps and job postings. Um, do you kind of want to get into that? Sure. Yeah. So, I mean, when you say the, the term imposter syndrome, the thing that instantly comes to my mind would be Instagram for one. Um, I feel like I can no longer differentiate one sponsored ad from another mm -hmm. these days, especially when it's like, you know, I'm all about female empowerment. Like, don't get me wrong, but everything's like, do you want to be a boss, babe? Do you want to be an entrepreneur? Like everyone is a life coach all of a sudden. And I think that's cool. But when it's somebody who's 20 years old that has not lived enough life to be soliciting that level of advice, it's just kind of like, not like an eye roll, but it's, it's, it's like, what the fuck? Like I'm 36, like, and I don't feel like I'm in a position to be giving life advice to all of the internet and monetizing on it. And I just feel like there's a lot of fraudulent information that people are trying to make money on. You know, they slap this generic typeface over their ads because they've seen a thousand other people do that. And, you know, I can totally get behind charging for your talent and your knowledge a thousand percent, but mm -hmm. I cannot support like watered down data, reworded, repackaged, you know, just trying to pull people in for their money. I think it's shitty. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I 100% I agree with you there because uh, my biggest thing when I went out on freelance and did freelance on my own, I was like, I do not want the little guys to be screwed over by the people that just are just trying to basically like take money, money and pay for things, wildly expensive things, because the average person's not going to price shop their marketing agency. They're not going to price shop their freelancer. They're going to go, oh, okay. But there's also a level of, um, in Denver, not being able to be paid what you're worth, right? So when you like ask for what you're worth, we as women, we tend to go, okay, well actually, you know what? Um, this is actually a smaller number and that'll be fine too. For sure. Which is, which is like the worst thing. And I like, if I can do anything, I want to abolish that. Um, so I agree with you there, but this Instagram stuff, like I don't, I agree with you. Like, well, why is everyone suddenly a life coach? And, um, you know, like, is it an ad? Is it not an ad? Like I had a friend like message me about a beauty counter and then I had to like immediately Google and see if it was an, if it was an MLM or not, because I didn't know. So it's very deceptive. And I just like, feel like there's a lot of misinformation because there's, it's like, everyone's still looking for that quick way to make money, but then yet, I don't think that's it, sis, on Instagram. <laughs> yeah, I, I just feel like, yeah, like I said, I literally can't tell the difference between those sponsored ads and the influencers. I just think people see something. It's one thing to be inspired. Everyone is inspired by something. But to try to replicate it and think that there is this formula, it's like people know if it's bullshit, you know? Yeah. And just, it's just, there's just too much of it. And I think it's just going to get to the point where, that's going to die down for right. sure. And it's interesting because like, okay, here's like another thing I don't get about Instagram. So Gen Z, which is like the new kids, the, the young kids, the <laughs> generation younger than us. Like I had my coworker was Gen Z. So I feel confident in saying this. They post one photo on Instagram. They put a freaking emoji. They don't use any hashtags. And then that gets 300 likes and they have like 10 followers. I'm like, how? Right. Like, I don't, I, I don't get it. I don't, I have, I have over a thousand followers. I don't know who half of them are. I don't follow that many people. <laughs> I follow the people I like based on the things I like. I was in a follower pod for a while. And then I stopped doing that because I was like, I don't want to, 
it just like people had products that I was like, I really don't care. I don't want to comment on this. <laughs> so yeah. I got out of that kind of mentality and, and I've, I've actually been able to keep a thousand followers for the last year, which is very surprising to me because I'm not doing anything to keep them. Like there's most days where I'm like, I don't know when I want to post on Instagram. So I'm just not going to. Right. So. Right. I mean, my, my profile is always private. I just made it public because like where I've been trying to like potentially integrate work into it, you know, that whole thing is up in the air, but it's weird. I, I always feel kind of creeped out that like, you don't know who's looking at your profile mm-hmm. and yeah. I don't know, Instagram's interesting, but, and now there's TikTok and you look at TikTok and the way that those videos are edited now, like big commercials are editing their videos like TikTok. There are even like movies that are editing their trailers like TikTok. Oh, yeah. I mean, that, like, social media is changing. Social media is, like, in control of all marketing and advertising right. now, and it's, but everyone jumps on the bandwagon, and mm-hmm. and it's hard to keep up. It's so overwhelming. Yeah, and then on that TikTok, TikTok vein, TikTok actually hides content from people that are less attractive, and so, like, my videos don't get, like, any views, like, at all. Like, not that I'm saying I'm ugly or anything like that, but I'm just saying, like, I'm not the conventionally pretty like person doing a TikTok. Like I'm not dancing. I'm not funny. I'm not witty. And, um, but at the same you time, are funny like, and witty. Oh, well, thank you. But I, I, I have, a, <laughs> I have a voice for radio in a lot of ways. Um, and I'm working on my self-esteem, but also I just kind of, I don't, I'm married. So I'm like, I don't really need to try, but I still, <laughs> I still care about like my body and my appearance and that kind of stuff. But I mean, it's, it's, it's been a week since I've showered Brandy, like, like fully washed my hair. Like I feel gross. So after this, that's exactly what I'm going to do is I'm going to shower. <laughs> my, my armpit like hair is pretty long. To be honest, I have not shaved my vagina and I don't even know how many months, like no one's navigating down there anyway. So I'm just going to let it, let it grow. <laughs> I don't care. It, like just to see how it feels. Um, and then speaking of vaginas, uh, <laughs> syndrome on the dating apps. So I kind of like what you say where like you're, you're kind of like breaking down people's profiles. And I just felt like it was just, everyone was bullshit. Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, I get it. Like everyone's there to sell themselves because you don't know what your competition is. And I mean, essentially it is like, you never know if you're someone's first pick or their 10th pick or whatever. Um, but I cannot handle like unhinged, one of the questions is like, where to find me at the party? And the answer you see all the time is like hanging out with the dog. It's like, I'm going to lose it if I see that one more time. Like everybody likes dogs, unless you're a sociopath, like, don't lie. You are drinking white claw at a party, scrolling through Instagram. You maybe greeted the dog for a 10th of a second, but like you don't love dogs that much. And (laughs) Or like everyone's photo is like, oh, I'm out hiking with my dog. And it's just, it's, it's whatever. Oh, I love the ones where they, uh, there's, it's a a group of a photo, right? Like it's a group of people. And then the Mm -hmm. next photo is another group of people and you still can't Mm -hmm. figure out which one they are. And then by the third one, they're holding a baby. And then you're like, but there's no, they have not filled out their profile. And you're like, huh. So is that his kid? Which one is he? I guess he's this one. Is he even cute? I don't know. His friends are cuter. Uh, And then like, so they're like, they're just shooting themselves in the foot, like to even begin with. Right. It's like, don't post a photo, especially as a man, don't post a photo with your taller, more attractive friend. Like you're already making yourself less desirable by comparison and don't post a photo wearing sunglasses and a hat in every single picture and like put some time into your answers. Oh yeah, like Oakleys from two thousand one. Goodbye. Goodbye. Yes. <laughs> They're like just no, thank you. So I guess kind of um, in going back to like the imposter syndrome and the feeling of success and feeling like you've got it all figured out. Um, you know, what does success look like to you, and then how do you feel successful? This was a really hard question for me because I guess I've never given it this much thought. Mm-hmm. But to me. Like success is attaining a sense of fulfillment creatively, spiritually, monetarily, you know, it's cultivating something that is valuable to someone in which you can sustain a living. You know, it's like a win-win situation. 
Um, I've experienced varying levels of success in my life. And at other times I've felt completely hopeless, busting my ass, not seeing results, having negative money in my bank account. Um, and so, you know, I don't think success has a ceiling or a linear pathway. Like there's no secret formula, like those Instagram ads don't fall for that. But I think for some people, it means having, you know, every box checked off what they've been programmed to achieve in their life. And I've never been an overly traditional person like that. And it's not about what I have. It's more of like a feeling and not having to struggle to support myself. But I think, you know, without passion and intention paired with like the hard work, like you're never going to get there. I agree. I think that some people just have that innate hustle drive and other people don't. And I'm one that does. I don't, I mean, as much as I, like, I, I like to think that I'll bounce back from a setback pretty quickly, at least mentally I, I, I do. Being laid off is kind of a roller coaster, you know? So like, it's a roller coaster mm -hmm. of emotions where you're angry and then you're upset and you go through all five stages of grief and all of that. But for me, I bounced out of that very quickly because I was like, okay, like I drank a bottle of wine. I cried about it. Like now what? Like, okay, I, I got to keep going. I got to keep moving forward. And Right now, I'm not seeing any jobs to apply for, and I don't really know what I want to do. And that's kind of where I'm in that same boat as you, where I'm like, I don't really know what's next. And and I, but I know that like whatever I put my mind to, like it'll be good. Right. I just have to figure out what it'll be. I mean, I think people look at like success as like the gold at the end of the rainbow, but it's like when you get to the end of the rainbow and you reach the gold, you're going to go through it, and like then you have to move on to something else. I don't think it's ever this like finite destination, you know? Right. Yeah, I agree. Um, and then I guess kind of we've gone through the kind of main portions of the imposter syndrome and all of that and kind of how you're feeling on success and all of that. But uh, let's go on to things that you are fanatical about. So let's see if I can give an example right now. I am fanatical about um, uh, Honey Davenport, she's doing a subscription. There's Drag for Fans, so you can pay like $5.99 or $9.99 a month, and you can go to like private shows that she's doing in her living room. That, that sounds very sexual, but it's not by any means, but you can go and see your drag performers and tip them, which I think is a really great way for them <laughs> to continue to be monetized while, sure. while amidst this COVID, because there's no drag con, there's no um, you know, world of wonder, there's no uh, season finale of drag race. Like there's a lot of things right now that like are stacking up against them. So my plug and my fanatical will always be Honey Davenport. She, I'm a Honey Davenport stan. I'm an original Beehive member and I just love her so much. I need to Google who that is because I don't know who that is, <laughs> but I do know in Milwaukee or not Milwaukee, Minneapolis, they have um, a drag brunch mm -hmm. every Sunday. And that's really fun. Or not every Sunday. I think it's like every other Sunday maybe, but. Yeah. I, this one, um, she, she does a lot of different brunches and stuff. She's, you know, that's kind of their thing is they do like the circuits of brunches. Right. So, mm -hmm. and then she was on Ross Matthews. He was doing like a bubbly drag brunch that was like going throughout California and like different, like, so there was one in Palm Springs and one in San Diego. And I went to the one in San Diego. That was the most recent time I saw her, but in general, like, uh, we have a place in, Den in San Diego called Lips, and then alternatively in Denver, where you are, eventually when the drag bars come back online, um, my friend William Ronan, shout out to Will, he is a uh, the manager of Pride and Swagger, and Pride and Swagger is a tiny little gay bar, and they do Sunday brunch, and it's like super intimate. Um, one of the girls I guys I went to high school with, who's you know his drag queen name is Lithia Morose, and he performs there pretty much every weekend. And I was like a year older than him in school. We used to have art class together and he, he was super into Amy Lee Evanescence. So he does like this whole like goth drag thing. It's really incredible. It's been amazing watching him grow up in the drag scene and um, his family even comes out and supports him. So I just, there's a lot of like love I have for the Denver drag scene. And I, and I look forward to you being able to like actually go see it once it's like back. For sure. Um, yeah. I mean, I think like the only things that I'm like fanatical about probably revolve around like the metaphysical world. Mm -hmm. um, one person in particular, his name is David Palmer and he is the Leo King. That's like mm -hmm. his, his name for himself. Um, and he, in my opinion, he is 
one of the only legitimate astrologers out there. Like he's super, super honest, super intuitive. Like the detail that he goes into, like it's, it's nothing else that you will come across on the internet. Um, and so if you're into that at all, or like anybody listening, if you're into that, you know, he is someone, I feel like he will definitely change your life and your perception on, on astrology. Like he's the real deal. And I came across him like maybe, I don't even know how many years ago, maybe like six, seven, I don't know, a long time ago I came across him and I was like severely depressed. And to this day, like his videos are the only thing that will like pull me out of that sometimes. Well, that's super cool. Yeah. I'm not familiar. So I'll have to check him out. Uh, that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, he's definitely seems like a character. He's very like animated and he uses a lot of, um, analogies and they're really funny, but if you like look past that, like he, he's legit. So yeah, like him for sure. And like anything, you know, metaphysical, paranormal. I love astrology. I'm a super, super like expert at numerology. Like that would be like my other job if I could make a living out of that. It's just like doing numerology for people. Um, And like, I really want to like go to like alien UFO conventions someday and been reading tarot cards since I was really little and all that stuff. That's cool. (laughs) Yeah, that's (laughs) awesome. I didn't know, I did not know that about you, but I mean, we all have our hobbies for sure. For sure. I love it. So I guess on the, on the, you know, the yin to the yang, how about uh, one or a few unpopular opinions you have and why? Sure. Um, So I know a lot of people will probably hate me, but it's just how I feel. I think Beyonce is so overrated. I think she is super talented. She's gorgeous. I I don't doubt that she's a super hard worker, you know, whatever, but I just feel like she's, she's still just a person and I feel this way about a lot of celebrities. Yeah. And then I saw your next one was that Chipotle is mediocre and I agree. (laughs) Yes. Um, Diarrhea every time. (laughs) And what's currently making you happy in the world? I know that this was like the one that like gave you the most anxiety. Yeah. I don't know because it's hard to think about like what's making me happy when like it's hard to shift your focus from what's making you unhappy. Um, Like my life completely fell apart when I moved to Colorado, like literally everything. Mom had cancer, quit my job, came here, couldn't find a job. My boyfriend and I broke up, you know, my best friend of 20 years passed away, just a ton of shit. Um, And so like when that happens to you, like when you hit rock bottom, you don't really have anything else to lose. So what's making me happy now is like the excitement to rebuild my life and like literally whatever you choose to do, your life can be whatever you want. So that's making me really happy. And, you know, I'm able to talk to my mom every day. Um because she had cancer, like we didn't know what would happen. So I'm really thankful for that. And I feel like we're a lot closer now. And I'm also really happy for the new friendships that I've acquired, especially like the ones I haven't met, like I haven't met you, but you know, a connection's a connection. And, um, I think you mentioned like you've been working on like strengthening past friendships as well and like current ones. So that's something else I've been working on. So yeah, just like the connections. I think like that's something, I mean, you you hit two nails on the head for me right now. It's like, I'm kind of in a similar transitional period, not in the same, same way, but, um, there was a, there was an illness in my family that I'm, we're still currently navigating. Um, and also I had to kind of choose between the two sides of my heart where it was like, I wanted to be there for my family, but I have to be here for my husband. And I kind of needed to like set up boundaries, so to speak, so that I wasn't you know, I wasn't, I wasn't torn in so many places cause it was a lot, but I'm very thankful that I'm able to talk to my family still, even though I can't physically see them. And also, um, I feel excited to move forward and the world being my oyster in a lot of ways. And I, 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 I kind of started thinking about it negatively when it came to quarantine, like, oh shoot, you know, I'm going to be like, having to interview among all these other people. And then it's like, no, like I have an edge. So if you don't want to hire me, you want to hire someone else. Cool. But I'm the weirdo with a slice of pizza on my, on my resume. I'm the weirdo with the podcast. I'm the weirdo that's like doing things during this quarantine to try to keep it, keep it together. Right. 
Yeah, it's it's hard for people to stay positive in general, but I think especially during this time, but you know, I think if you want anything positive to happen for you, you have to focus on what good you have, even if it's just a little bit, because that's going to just bring more of that into your life. Right. And I totally agree with that. Um, and it's, we've come kind of towards the end. So I always like to leave the floor open for anything that you would like to promote. Um, I know that you mentioned that you would like me for me to share your creative Instagram, which I will totally do. Um, for our listeners, that will be in our in the description and you should definitely connect with Brandy. If you need any photography, creative branding, that kind of stuff, definitely go to her. She's awesome. She's a rock star. I've seen her work firsthand. Um, but I'm going to open the floor up to you now. Yeah. It feels weird to say that I want to promote myself, you know, but at the same time, it's like, I need to eat also. Um, <laughs> but I, I mean, I, I genuinely do love working with people and I am super passionate about branding and, and I don't know what direction I'm going. I just know that, um, I just want to help people that don't know how to present their brand, you know, without it, without it seeming like one of those sponsored ads on Instagram, how to make it different. And I think that's great. And I think that's awesome. And I think moving forward now more than ever, those brands are going to need that when they're coming out of this giant pandemic. So I think your your head's on straight and it's, you're going the right direction. And I, you know, I'm happy to help you in whatever way I can. Right. And I mean, and I was even thinking about like either doing like a donation or a very discounted price for small businesses in particular, or just small businesses in general that are coming out of this that are hurting because they're going to need something, but they might not necessarily have the funds. And so, you know, if I can, if I can help them in that way, I'm totally willing to. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's the right attitude to have. Well, I think we've kind of covered everything and I'm so happy that you were able to hop on the phone and take the time to speak with me today on Please Don't Kick Me Out. Do you have any parting words? I don't think so. I mean, (laughs) just don't raise your kids to be racist assholes. I mean, yes. Uh, and also, you know, um, middle school is tough and make sure that your kids aren't bullying anyone. Right. Make sure they're not telling girls that they're not pretty. Everyone's pretty in their own way. Exactly. Exactly. Well, thank you, Brandy. And I look forward to speaking soon. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much for inviting me to come on here. Of course. I'll talk to you later. Okay. Bye. Thank you for listening to Please Don't Kick Me Out, a podcast about imposter syndrome. If you like what you hear, please subscribe wherever you get your pods and give us a little rating. And if you're interested in becoming a guest, please reach out to me by using one of the links to the podcast social media in the description. Thanks everyone and have a great day.